0: Thank you for listening to My Best Living Pod. We are currently accepting applications for advertisement and sponsorships. You can reach us at My Best Living Pod or MyBestLivingPod at gmail.com. Thank you.
1: Welcome to my best 11 podcast. Today, we are joined by a defender who started his career. Uh, Schiffle Wednesday has played for a number of teams, Notts County, Forest Green, Scarborough, Torquay, Kidderminster, Bath, um, and also Mousel as well. Managed a, a couple of clubs as well, particularly uh, most notably Torquay, and he's currently Exeter's head of coaching and player development. Today, we are joined by the man most people know as Nico um, but in case you're looking it up, Kevin Nicholson, how are you, Nico?
2: I am very good. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it.
1: Excellent. Marvin, um, getting Nico on. Um, I know we've had a bit of bit of last off off air so far. Um, did you come up against Nico? I was trying to work I it out. I
0: don't know.
2: Did when, when did you when did you start playing Nico? What is the what is the season, so, was it? So I, I signed pro in 97 at Sheffield Wednesday, but I only ever played once for them. So I'm pretty sure you weren't playing in that game. Um, <laughs> and then I, I started playing regularly at Northampton and I played against Luton on my debut for them. And Mance was playing. Oh, nice, uh, was you guys so was he? So the it was at six fields. I think it ended 1-1. You are at Luton, had um, Stuart Douglas up front. There was a Finnish, I think it was a Finnish fullback that was up against me. I can't remember his name. Um, oh, oh. Henning? Was it Henning? Hennin. Helen?
0: Yeah, it, it was. sounds it. about with right. Blonde hair. Blonde,
2: bright blonde hair. Yeah, like, this would right. have been 2000, 2000, 2001. Yeah. So, that's, yeah I'm, I'm going
1: to go I'm, I'm, Helen. Petri, Helen? Like Petri I mean. Helen? That sounds
2: about right. Mance told me he was brilliant, but I did probably the first <laughs> and last ever piece of skill that came off in my uh, footballing <laughs> career against him. You know the one where you knock it one way and run the other? Um, and I, I wasn't quick. I wasn't capable of doing it. I was just young and stupid, so I thought I'd try it. And he must have either got caught laughing that I even tried it, or I don't know wh- how it worked, but I got it the other side. And I've never, ever pulled that off since, even against my kids, to be honest. So, uh, yeah, he, he had a bad time on that game. And i that was my debut. And then I, I started the next game at Notts County, and that's how my my move to Knott's County came about because I, I played well in that game and I was on uh, I was on non-contract forms, So it was like a seven-day approach and, and off I went. No, awesome. so
0: that, that probably not then, because I came back as in 2000, 2001 was, I mean, very rarely. I was like probably coming on a sub um, back then. So no, I don't think we would have crashed paths, So Probably oh, not. You're you making, making me feel old now. Look at that, so now I'm my age now, I'm old now.
2: I, I'm not. I was never going to ask that, but yeah, no. I'm. I'm impre- I, I thought that it'd have been. You'd have been playing a bit longer than that. So no, well played. You looked after yourself.
1: Definitely, Righty. definitely. Beauty and brawn with Marvin. Um, okay, so um, what we're going to do is we're going to go through uh, Nico's best eleven players he's ever set foot on a pitch with. So first off, we're going to jump straight in and look at formation. Now, I know you're coaching at the moment. Um, you mentioned you're not doing as much as you'd like, but what's your favourite um, coaching and formation? And do you ta- have you tailored it for your players, or are you rigid and they have to fit
2: in? To be honest, that's that's one of those where when I was managing at Torquay, I just had to play whatever worked, whatever we could with the players that we had because I couldn't really bring anybody in. So at Torquay, it was either a 4231 or a diamond is where I had my best run of games and I really like the diamond but you need very specialized players in some of those positions to be able to pull it off effectively. Um, I would probably normally be a 4231 guy. I don't particularly like three at the back but in my current role we have to give the the young kids cuz it's like under 23s under 18s and below. You have to give them an example, you have to give them experience of all the different formations. So you'll play. You know, I I cannot stand this three six one where you have like a box in midfield. I just think it's too much. I I, I, I'm not a fan. But at the same time, I've seen it work really well. We have to show the kids that because they might need to play it at some point. Um. So yeah, I I my personal preference is probably a four two three one with a with a diamond as a backup. Um. But yeah, I've had. What have you gone for
1: for this one? What have you gone for for your team
2: um I'm, I'm gonna go with a yeah a four two three one or call it a four three three in this sense because I think that that gets uh, gets the guys in
1: okay so we're gonna jump straight in goalkeepers over to you if you can give us a few clues um, on the way we'll try and guess them and the listeners at home will try and guess as well and then if you want to have some honorable mentions you don't offend anybody feel free
2: okay so um, this is one of those where I only played with him once. Um, and so I would have said Bobby Aleznik. Bobby Aleznik would have been my, my, the one that I played with most. I played a season with him at Torquay. He went on and played at Peterborough and Exeter. He had the best ever single season that a goalkeeper ever had while I played. He was unbeatable, absolutely magnificent. Um, and he, he cashed in and he, he went off and played in the championship. He did some good things and he's, he's recently retired. So if it was about somebody who I played regularly with, I'd go with Bob. But in terms of, of this guy, um, it's somebody that was there at the very beginning of my career. Um, he played for England. not sure how many times. He probably got overlooked more than he should have done. He Certainly, if you remember way back now, there was England B, and he definitely played a fair few games for them. Um, he scored the best penalty I've ever seen in a penalty shootout against Wolves. In a, in a cup competition. Um, he's a legend at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, he, he wasn't athletically the most beautiful player to look at. Um, it could be, could be said he was a little bit heavy at times. Um, and yeah, he was, he was just outstanding. His delivery before goalkeepers became, you know, like nowadays they have to be able to play with their feet. They have to be able to kind of pick people out from distance. They have to be comfortable on the floor. He had that level of delivery and accuracy with certainly with his longer passing, way before it became a real thing.
0: left-footed? Um, left-footed left keeper. Is. Yeah. I, don't, if I can even think of one. I mean, Andrew, I can only think of the only one I can think of is do you know on, who Marvin?
1: Yeah, I've got a name in my head, but go on, Marv. Pr- um Pressman. Kevin
2: Pressman. Yeah. Kevin Pressman. Yeah. Magnificent yes. old Like just. In the, very much in the kind of uh, the mould of a Neville Southall. It didn't, yeah. didn't look yeah. fantastic in, in his kit, but agile, strong. His his delivery, long, was outstanding. Uh, great, great guy. And like I say, I I feel like I'm cheating on that one a little bit because it, it was you know it was three years working with him and and kind of That's one appearance, right. but at the same time I didn't really play with him. I'm clutching a bit there. Uh, well,
0: but it's your 11 though, Nico. So I don't know. You're, you day, you pick it and, and you have your reasons. Um,
2: so I The mean, main reason is just to make sure anybody listening knows that I did actually play one game in the Championship. So I'm, <laughs> I'm doing it purely, purely for my own good. Um, so, yeah, I, I never set foot in the Premier League. I, I got on the bench, but never got on. And uh, and that's probably a good thing for the team. Yeah. Um, and then won in the championship, and and it was uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful game. I just can't have done as well as I thought. I never got back. Was,
0: was he was he in the normal mould as what goalkeepers are a little bit daft Because He comes across. I mean, I didn't know him or anything, but he's not. Is was he vocal? Because it doesn't seem like he's a shout or
2: anything like that. No, I'm not sure. he's, he's as sensible as goalkeepers get. I think like you touched on there, all goalkeepers are slightly mental. Um, um, they're normally the ones that you can't quite figure out, and if it was a if it was an all-time weird eleven, then there's definitely one or two other keepers that would uh, would get in ahead of, of Prezi. But in terms of out-and-out out ability and the fact that he played at the top level, you know, like you can't, I can't move past that one. But honourable, honourable mention to Bobby Leznik, who in the 2011-12 season was just out of this world, um, absolutely ridiculously good. Yeah,
1: I mean, you mentioned they're coming through at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, and, and obviously, well, at that time, they had, and in the Premier League, they had so many huge players um, in that team, some some fantastic players. I'm not going to mention too many in case you mention them later on. Um, but what was that like in the dressing room as a youngster coming through? Um, because you hear different stories. Now, David Pleat mentioned um, that Sheffield Wednesday team was a little bit uh, difficult at times. <laughs> With, I mean, it was very much a case of we're here for ourselves. Was it like that when you were there or that kind of gone?
2: Well, David Pleat was my first manager. So he, he was, um, when I initially went to Sheffield Wednesday, it was Trevor Francis. And he left while I was, uh, I went to a, a place called Lillyshaw, um, which was like the national school back in the day. It's what academies are based on now. And, um, and when I got out of Lillyshaw, that was my final two years at school, Trevor Francis had moved on and David Pleat was in charge. And and he was like he knew everything there was to know about every player in the country. He could tell you the strengths and weaknesses of Halifax Reserves. You know, he just knew everything about football. He still um, yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. But it, he he was right at the beginning of where I think the the current. You know, like y- your superstars, y- your absolute. Um, characters people where player power I think it was just just starting to creep in I think you know go back really in the day and the manager told you what to do and you did it and if you didn't yeah. you get you, you were gone um it was just starting to get to that point so I, I'm not going to pick any more Sheffield Wednesday players in my in my old time 11 purely because of what I said there I'm, I'm clutching a bit so I think we could probably talk about the guys so w- w- Di Canio was in the building I mean, you imagine training every day with somebody with his ability. He was a thoroughly good guy, but he was also highly strung, had had an ego, and was um, at one point came in with his own personal trainer and did his own thing in pre-season for a while, having come back about a week late. Um, There was one stage at Sheffield Wednesday where I was training in the reserves and I had um, the Kanyo's personal fitness trainer was with us. Uh, Benito Carboni, uh, Carboni bought his hairdresser, in, so he he was there. Um, I remember doing a crossing and finishing session with Michael Vaughan, the England cricket captain, because he was mates with Richie Humphries, and he was a very good footballer. But it was bizarre because you're there as a young player coming through, trying to you know earn your stripes and get in the first team, and you you've got. I mean, it, this was before Vaughan really got into England, so you've got this cricketer rocked up, lovely guy, but. Why why am I doing crossing and finishing with a cricket? Um, hey, he, he was arguably better than me. He was more two-footed for sure, but um it, it was just a bizarre time. But you just had those egos. You had Des Walker coming to the end of his career there. Um, and Des was again still magnificent, the purest of defenders could could barely pass a ball where he wanted it um half the time, but you just did not get past Des Walker. He was still rapid, he was still in great condition. Um he was a leader. He was nasty. He was all those things. And and when you're in the dressing room with that, it's quite, um, quite overawing at the times. You know, that there's a lot of personality in there. There's a lot of stuff going off around you. Um, you know, you had your more normal guys. You know, normal. Um, you know, yeah, that was probably back in the day where they wouldn't nowadays be Premier League players, with all due respect to them. It was that the games moved on so much just in 20 years that nowadays they'd probably be you know championship stroke top league one type players um but then you had you know peter atherton was just a brilliant pro great guy but you know workman like uh ian nolan graham hyde um emerson tom was there yeah again massive personality great fella but you knew when he was in the building you knew when he was in the room um and then a little bit further down my time, you had uh, not, not Bob de Builder, but that's what they knew him as uh, Gerald. Uh, you had Gerald Sibon. And um, I don't know if I remember de Builder's first name now, because we all knew him as Bob. But Gerard um, de Builder, was that his name? Yeah. No. It, it, was, it was, there was Gerald Sibon, who was about six foot five and hit the ball harder than any player I've ever seen. And there was Gilles, Gilles Sibon. Uh, sorry, yeah. Gilles de Builder, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, and, and, um, Anderson, uh, we had Petter Rudi, who's big in Norway, but I doubt anybody would ever remember him over here if you you know, if, if, oh, no. if you know, can't go back 20 years. Yeah, people,
1: uh, v-
2: Vim
1: Jonk? Vim Yonk? What's
2: his name? Vim Jonk? So Vim Yonk came in. Vim Yonk had the best agent in the world. Um, he was obviously a magnificent player himself. He came in and it, it kind of got out to us that he had got uh, a clause in his contract where he got his appearance money, as long as he wasn't dropped and he got injured. So he picked up a stupid amount of money uh, over six months without setting foot on the pitch through uh, appearance money. Uh, just cra- crazy, crazy. But well, that, that was the beginning of it. You know, that was like the the first time that these kind of big hitters had come in from abroad um, a, a and right. really started, you know, it wasn't a hundred grand a week then, but there was rumours knocking about that one or two of the guys won 20 grand a week. Which now is probably not far of your average Premier League player, but back then that was your equivalent of 100 grand, 150 grand, and so on. Um, Andy Hinchcliffe came in, which was brilliant for me because he was a left back. So I got to see, I got to see an elite left back training every day. I got to see like the quality of that guy's left foot was through the roof. Um, Picked up an ankle injury every time he was going to play against a quick quick winger. You know I did not quite fancy that one very often in fact i got my uh, I got my debut because he came off i I came on in place of him but what a top top man you know like he was always had time for me always had advice he'd played for england he he'd had yeah. unbelievable times at everton and it, it in the long term it didn't really work out with him at at Sheffield Wednesday but I've got fond memories of just watching the guy train and thinking you know he was of do you think about fullbacks back then that was how they were. They were all looked like me, short, stocky. Um, It was about delivery forward. You didn't see much overlapping knocking about. Um, Whereas now it's completely different. You know, I I don't think I would have been, not necessarily made it, but at one point in my younger age, I was seen as high prospects and I don't think I'd get anywhere near that now because you've got to be almost a winger who can defend now and capable of sprinting and, and running 12K a game and so on. And I just sat behind the ball and moved it quite nicely and, and put a few long throws and free kicks in.
1: Yeah. Oh, interesting. Interesting to hear about that Wednesday team. Um, but we're on to fullbacks, so we'll jump in there. Uh, where, where do you want to start? Your position or right back?
2: I'm assuming I'm not allowed to pick myself.
1: No, you can.
2: You can. No one's,
1: no one's done it yet. No one's done it, but feel free. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> How have you managed that then? So you're telling me that people have... have not pick themselves they've dropped themselves from their own best 11 but that i mean for me i suppose there's there's never more than one full back left back at a club other than the early days so the most embarrassing right, well, one thinking. is
1: the goalkeeper saying that there's a, there was always a keeper better than them that's the most embarrassing yeah, that's, one.
2: That's, that's that's true that's true i'll go i'll go at right back then i'll go for right back <laughs> he's, no, he's, got no to, about it. he's got to think of a left back now <laughs> yeah yeah no I'm, I'm i'm processing i'm processing. give me time i'll be there i'm fine i can do that so uh yeah um right back uh the guy wouldn't want to play right back um he he's got more teeth than a great white shark um, he's got furry hair he was similar to uh, if you think about the film the water boy he spent most of his time passing the ball to the opposition and then trying to tackle them which he could do from midfield or at right back um and he was very good at tackling but he gave himself lots of practice in his mind he never made a mistake um it was always somebody else's fault um you've had him on your show uh so you 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 probably uh, yeah you know you know i'm on about uh but this is just my time now so i'm gonna milk this as long as i can um his yeah his right foot was limited uh he was outstanding in pre-season. No one ever got near him when it came to running. It's just when the balls came out that the problem started. <laughs> um, yeah, he... Uh, so we put him out
0: of his misery.
1: Yeah,
2: go on. We can carry <laughs> on. Nico wants to have
1: five minutes on this. Are you going to describe his caricature that you got done in, on a Spanish beach or what would that look like?
2: It would. Yeah, yeah. So the hair of a sheep, the, the, the teeth of a shark um yeah not not yeah I'd, I'd be nice in a way, not the worst looking guy in the world, but he's done well with his misses um I'd, I'd say, i think punching punching would be a fair a fair comment um but yeah he's uh he's a, a fantastic guy you would have him in your changing room all day long any day um and he would run through a wall for you, which he often had to because he was so busy giving the ball away
0: so Lee Mansell is I don't know how you got
2: that I I honestly don't know how you guessed that's that's incredible work from you hey hey, if anybody if anybody else on this that's listening or or, or looking in actually guessed it then fair play to them because I don't think I have a great deal away there from any kind of footballing ability Um, but yeah yeah Mansell has to get in there The, the right back one mainly to wind him up more than anything um you know that that comment from uh, Carragher about you know most uh, or yeah most fullbacks are failed yeah. midfield players and centre halves. He he feels in that in that category. <laughs> um, but he he was all right in midfield. He wouldn't have been far off. I'd have given him a I'd have given him a crack. Just the fact that we got promoted together and had some great time. It, it did. Ha- he did hate
0: playing there, didn't he? Though he hated playing right back. He did. He didn't like, he enjoy it. playing there.
2: Hated- But was- The irony is. The the irony is he was really very good there. And actually, That's, again, talking modern day fullbacks, he would be more, you know, touching six foot, not bad in the air, could get up and down. I mean, oh. he was as fit as fit get Preseason, Pre-season, we always used to get the odd trialists come in and they'd challenge, you know, like they'd come in, they'd want to make a mark, and they'd kind of try and challenge him. And several times he's kind of come over and said, This this guy, yeah, he's he's gonna learn. And I've seen many, many people really hit walls while trying to beat him when it when it comes to running um he was just an out and out athlete Uh, i've seen him lately he's got a little belly going on he's let himself go but um you know he, he can't help that because he he was the guy that just used to eat like chicken nuggets beans and chips every night i was the guy that went out every off season i'd eat perfectly I wouldn't go out. I wouldn't drink. I'd like go go in the off-season I'd be running my nuts off, desperately trying to get good because I was at the back of everything in pre-season. And then I'd come back and I'd see him do one run in the off-season just because he could say to the manager that he'd done something. And he'd be eating crap and he'd be on the beach drinking beers and all the rest of it. And he'd come back and still be miles ahead of everybody and I could never figure it out. Um, (laughs) But yeah, he was... He was a, a leader on the pitch, and we had so many run-ins on the pitch. It was funny, um, you know. He never, ever. We, I, I, I used to call him the best deflector I've ever seen because he wouldn't take responsibility for any mistake. It was always somebody else. Um, but we got promoted, and he's done all right. He went off to Bristol Rovers and got another couple of promotions. Scored at Wembley, which I'm sure he never stopped talking about when he was uh, chatting to you guys. And uh, yeah, just a top, top guy.
0: <laughs> hey, I don't know where to start, Marvin. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I I might jump in on a bandwagon now and just like kill him by not talking about him and talking to you now, Nico, because this is your podcast. I wanna flip back now to you mentioned about the Lillishaw stuff. So you must have been obviously of a like was you were there for two years as a kid.
2: Yeah, yeah. It was like the it was the last two years of school. So you did your GCSEs, you went to a normal school when you were doing it. It wasn't like a, a boarding school or anything, but you lived at Lillishaw. And and for those that are old enough to know, Lillyshaw was what SGP is, St George's Park. That's that's what that was. So any injured players used to go there. England had trained there from time to time. There would be uh, on-site gymnastics, so the the national level gymnasts would live there and train there. There was a lot going on, but it was essentially what St George's Park is now.
0: Yeah, but how I, I remember it, uh, they 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 normally picked the best. Twenty or whatever players, and the the whole of the country. So, I mean, was there like other clubs apart from Sheffield Wednesday? Who, yeah, yeah. So it was a knocking on the door.
2: It was a a national system. It was a national. So the best sixteen players um, went there. You went for two years. So obviously there was a junior year and a senior year. You. um, So in my senior year, when I the first year I went, the guys that were a year older than me were people like Michael Owen, Wes Brown, Michael Ball. Um, you know some big hitters that went on and and had massive careers in my year we had Scott Parker Francis Jeffers um, Alan Smith um, uh, who he left quite early on because he couldn't deal with being away from home and that kind of stuff so it was quite a challenge it was quite a test for Mm. people but it was always those best 16 so I was lucky enough to play for England Schoolboys and and captain them I was lucky enough to play for England number 16s and had some incredible experiences you know we we went over, we played Brazil in Brazil, and Ronaldinho was playing for them. So when anybody kind of talks about those things, it was just mind-blowing what opportunity right. you got. And it, it and again, just very different. You know, most of us were early developers nowadays, especially in my role, I'm aware of you know, late developers, kids that aren't six foot three by the time they're 12 and capable of right. winning games, but you have to look for the football intelligence, you have to look for the mind as a and the body will get there. Whereas back then, a lot of it was about winning games. So they just picked the best players at the time. And they were just, just starting to see, we had a couple of lads there. We had a, a lad called Mickey Lyons, who was like five foot tall. And they were just starting to see that there were late developers. And it was important to look for ability, not just physicality, um, but yeah, I had an amazing two years there. absolutely loved it. Um, and it's just the the nature of football is that I left the Hall at, at 16, signed pro at Sheffield Wednesday at 17 and got released at 20. you know that, that's how that's how quick it turns. you know that's how quick things can can go. And I was at Sheffield Wednesday at a tough time because they were on the downward spiral and a lot of the stuff like I touched on there as much as it's quite funny when you look back on it now obviously wasn't very conducive to a young player coming through and and realising their potential Um, but yeah it was uh, incredible experiences played with some great players Um, and uh, you know I'm currently trying to organise the 25th reunion and that's an absolute nightmare because no one ever wants to get back to you and make it easy so that'll be interesting we're hoping to get together next summer now and if we do it'll be great to to have a chat with a few of the boys fantastic excellent
1: excellent so um, we're going to go across to left back Have you found someone to replace yourself?
2: Well, I've I've already already spoke about him. I'd have to put Hinch in there. I'd have to put Andy Hinchcliffe in, but I can't give you any clues. And and I can't make it a mystery now, can I? And I can't (laughs) even do that about myself. Although I could big myself up massively to annoy (laughs) Mance even further. Um, Make you say my name, which just sounds wrong. So we'll go with Andy Hinchcliffe. Um, Now, what you do
1: is you put yourself in Mance's position. (laughs) <laughs>
2: yeah. well, in fair, that wouldn't be a problem would not be a problem um but you gotta give him something so i think andy yeah, hinchcliffe. i'd have to go with andy hinchcliffe you know again you're talking england international you're talking one of the best left foots that has, has been in and around the premier league um the the kind of delivery he was late 20s early 30s when he signed so he he you know, he was never your modern day fullback. He was never an overlapping up and down the sides, but given the ball and he could pick out anybody anywhere on a football pitch and his delivery from set plays were was match winning You know, he I, I think whether I meant to or not, my game ended up modelled on his. That was my super strength as well in terms of, you know, I wasn't great 1v1 defending, neither was he. I wasn't great uh, at, at marauding forward, but from time to time, Timed it well and had the delivery at the end of it, which was good. And he was just the the epitome of what that a fullback of that era really should be. Um, yeah, and he was With him, he him was and
1: Graham Graham Leso. I remember those two around that kind of late nineties were definitely the England before Ashley yeah. Cole came along. They were the England and, kind and of left hand
2: side, and that was it. And I think they were they were the last of that kind of breed at the top level. Uh, if you look down the leagues now, there's there's one or two still knocking about, but football evolves so fast. Um, and they were the kind of last of that. You know, you had Gary Neville as your your right back and if you look at those guys, even Gary Neville towards the end of his career probably got forward more than he ever did um, uh, towards the beginning because that just wasn't the game then. So Hinchy, top guy, learned a lot from him. Um, I bumped into him a couple of times since, you know, he does a bit of stuff now on Sky Sports with um, uh, commentary and that kind of stuff and he's just a a thoroughly good guy who, uh, you know, just showed me what I needed at the time to become as good as I could be. Excellent.
1: Excellent. So we can move to centre backs, whichever side you want left, right, and side.
2: Okay. So we'll, we'll go right hand side to start with. Um, unless you've done your research, there's never a million years you're going to guess the guy. But I, I played with him at Turkey. Uh, he was a young lad on loan from Reading. Um, he came on loan a couple of times and then he signed permanently. He was still young when he signed permanently, still early, early 20s. He established himself. Then he had a bit of a rocky patch and and fell out of it. And you probably didn't see the potential in the early years that he was there. Um, Six foot, athletic, quick, uh, right-footed player. And then I left um, uh, and I was gone for a, a season. But when I came back as manager, he was one of my players. Um, and in my first year as manager there, we we pulled off what they called the great escape. We were 12 points adrift of safety at the end of uh, February, and we stayed up with two games to go. And in the last three or four months of that season, it was some of the best centre-half play I've seen. He was... I, I look at defenders often, they kind of go through three stages. First and foremost, they've got to just defend, so it's just don't get beat, get there and get rid of it um second they start to realize those that have got that potential they start to realize that i'm getting there in time now and i don't need to panic so they start to maybe drop things into areas this is lower league football i think we're talking now but they'll get there and they'll clip things over the top for strikers and they'll get the team up the pitch and and they'll be all right and when they get really confident and when they get really in control of what they do they start stepping in winning it and then picking out passes. So now you're talking ball on the floor, zip to the next person, and starting an attacks. So they become the first the first attacker, and he got to that stage, and he did it over the period of about two months. He went from being quite erratic, kept getting booked all the time. Um, he he was frustrated, uh, frustrated where we were in the league, frustrated because he wasn't on a great deal of money, frustrated because. He was just going through that period and all of a sudden, by the end of it, he was absolutely magnificent, head and shoulders above anybody. And, and unfortunately, I lost him. He went and signed for Barnsley. We sold him to Barnsley for, for some good money, which the club needed at the time. Um, he had a couple of years there, did well, got moved to Hull. Um, he got diagnosed with cancer and survived it, um, beat it, and has been a, a big advocate for charity and, and pushing that stuff. He had a, a period of time where he was dating Alexandra Burke, um, which the, the X Factor winner. Um, really? yeah. And then he, um, he ended up, uh, this last couple of seasons, he's been at Rotherham and he's had his injury issues and he's not played as much as he'd, he'd like to. But the, I just re- think back to those three months and just think that was, showed me how quickly things can turn in football and how quickly you can go from a good player to a great player if I think you've given the right environment, the right backing, and you're capable, you have the potential. And have you got it? No, nice. I, I mean, and, I'm, and the reason I said, I mean, I, I'm uh, totally honest.
0: Yes, if you normally we do research, I've been absolutely swamped. No, and I've I'm, done research. I'm, I'm just trying I'm, to think. I've not had a chance, so that's done me. So I'll be honest. Not even no, a guess. I don't want to embarrass names by throwing them out
1: there in case they're totally right. wrong. So I'm going to go, i will going to chop one name out. Darren led better. No, no, no. So, the, only other, uh, you what, the only other centre-back I had for Torquay, but I don't think he's going to be on afterwards, is I think
2: he's current assistant manager there. Is Downsy. Downsy. No, Downsy. Not, uh, no. Downsy. was good. Downsy was good. He had no yeah. he, he couldn't run, but he was just an, a warrior. But no, not, That's not, the only not other down. centre-back I had in my mind from t- around that Torquay time yeah so to have to tell uh, us angus mcdonald angus, angus mcdonald so he was a young lad at reddin um i say he came on loan to us did okay on loan had a second loan spell i think he did came permanently so he, he probably was in and out of torquay from about 2010 <coughs> through to 2015 when i went back as manager um and then yeah he he just took off and, and he's gone, and he's played in the championship, and he's played at the top of League One. They've just been promoted at Rotherham. Yeah. Um, you know, he he was just an outstanding guy. He Always had money and women problems. And um, when he left, he money problems went, and he had a higher higher standard of women problem, I think. Um, but his his football inability, his um, athleticism, his, his composure once he, he'd got to the bottom. We, we kind of spoke to him and figured out there were one or two issues that were causing red mist. And when we got hold of that, he just took off. Um, so he, he's he been unfortunate, obviously, you know, a young man to get, to, to, to get cancer and come out the other side is incredible. Um, yeah. And to have stayed mentally strong enough to be able to get through a period like that is incredibly um, powerful. And I think credit to him. Um, and he's still going. I, I don't know how old he'd be now. I speak to him from time to time. I imagine he'll be kind of coming up late twenties now. Um, but he's got plenty left in the tank, I think. And I'd like to see if he, I don't know if he's going to stay at Rotherham next year. I've not seen if they um, put, put anything out yet, but I'd love to see him top of league one championship again for another few years definitely
1: definitely if he's a player and a uh, player you say he is then hopefully he gets a chance to push up in a championship and have a, have another go seems, rather, seems to be a bit yo-yo-y so who is next to Angus
2: it's a tough one. this really I think again you you have your bias don't you because so m- many of my good times in my career were at Torquay and you mentioned Downsey who was who was really good um and, and Angus, obviously, on that side. But there's one guy who, if he if he was to hear this and I didn't put him in there, he'd call me. And, and so I, and I, and I don't want him to call me because you can't get him off the phone. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with a guy who was larger than life. Um, he was one of the few non-footed players that I got to play with. Um, he was renowned for heading the ball. Um, he was, yeah, terrible off both feet really couldn't pass wind. Um, he started off um, up north, played for teams. had had a, He's one of these guys where he is Marmite. There are one or two clubs he'll be seen as an absolute legend and Rotherham would be one of those clubs and Torquay would be another. And there are other clubs that would see him as the biggest waste of money that they've ever had. Did he play for think, Portsmouth as well? No, he played for... He played for Oldershot, he played for Burton, he played for... Pl- to be honest, he's also a bit of a journeyman. He, if I rolled off all of his clubs, we'd still be here tomorrow. Is he, is um, he naturally left-footed? He, he's naturally not footed. He's oh, terrible. He's, he's, he's naturally yeah, right-footed. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, he would claim that he could kick with his right foot, but I never really saw it. Um, he shaved head, or completely bold, which always, I think, again works for fans. They love the, either the long flowing locks, they become legendary, or shaved head look scary types. And he was the, the second. Um, he, I
0: should know this. I, I've, I've got a picture of someone in my head, but I can't think of a name. He, is, he was
2: a beast. I my most. I, I tell the story all the time of when you talk to young players and you say about it's really important that you know who you are, because so many young players now, they're, they're, they're exposed to so much football that they'll watch Messi play or Ronaldo and think, well, I'll do that then. Right. And you, you tell them that, look, you know, that's not for everybody. Like, you've got strengths and you need to show us those strengths and play to those strengths. And this guy knew his strengths and he played to them as well as anybody I've ever known. And I remember at Torquay once, he, he came out of the back, ball went up in the air, he headed it off the pitch and shouted in front of the pop stand at Torquay, where all the kind of hardcores uh, support him, and shouted, that's what he does. And then they yeah, all went... Someone else and had I... it, it as was immense, wasn't it? That's what yeah. I do. I and what he does. And I just, and, and I, I mean, I used to say to him regularly, like, if I kick the ball off the pitch as much as you do, I'd get dropped at fullback. Whereas, <laughs> at he got there first, he won it, he headed it, he kicked it. Um, yep. he, he'd smash people all over the place and he was just incredibly effective. You've got, and Andrew, you've got
0: Andrew. I have. Oh, well done. Well, go on then. I haven't got, I can't think of it who it is. I Guy I Branston.
2: Guy Branston.
0: I, but- I keep thinking of Guy Butters. That's all I think. And I knew Guy Branston. Him. Yes.
2: Guy Branston. Yeah. So again, I, I would, Brano, if you listen to this, apologies. I I, I would say I've played with better center hearts, But the all-round <laughs> the all-round package and the season that he had when we got to the the playoff final in League 2 um, he got in PFA Team of the Year for League 2 that year he he was just a monster you know we we had to defend deep you had me who was really slow you had him who was as slow if not slower um, we we defended deep you know we, we had to <laughs> couldn't leave spacing behind us but you put the ball in the box and no one's getting near him, you know, and and it was frightening how... Did how he score dominant. A lot as well then? He was decent. He, got, was I, he set I don't know how many, or not? Yeah, I don't know how many got that year, but he would have been, he was always a threat from, from set plays. And again, I was the set play taker, so we had a good relationship like that. And we We'd clash all the time in terms of quite funny because he was very easy to wind up and I enjoyed winding him up. So we had quite a lot of that. Um, but yeah, you know, good guy, absolute beast when it came to play. And then we were, you know, one game away from League One with Torquay, which, yeah. you know, I know Torquay fans and certainly the group itself, we lost to Stevenage and we hadn't lost to them in like eight games over the last few years playing against them. Um, we were up; It was up at Old Trafford, and it was just one of those days that should have been our day and everything went wrong. Um, you know, we, to this day, to this day, I swear that Graham Wesley, who was manager of Stevenage at the time, set the fire alarm off in our hotel at three in the morning. Cause we all got evacuated the night before. Um, he, he was that kind of guy that would do that. He would do whatever it took to win. And it was that type of weekend. There was a crash on the motorway on the way up. So a load of fans got held up. It was just everything that could have gone wrong. Did do, we got beat one nil and it, it it's not a regret because there's nothing we could do about that. You, you have bad days, but it's one of those days where I'd love it. I'd love to have it again, because I think if we played that Steve and his team 10 times, we'd beat them, nine of them.
1: It was a bit of a sliding doors moment, wasn't it? Because, of course, obviously you're getting to go from the the well, I said elation, but making the playoff final such a big thing. And then um, for Torquay a few years later to then drop back out again, obviously after kind of what, 10, 10 years earlier, 15 years earlier um when they dropped out first time it's kind of like it probably felt a bit like a uh, here we go and then obviously yeah. it fell back down again but now did they finish second does that give an automatic no so, so i'm a bit talky. unsure because of all the berry thing has kind of skewed the whole thing up hasn't it but talking
2: yeah it was last season last season they got to the playoff final in the in the national league and got beat yeah. on um penalties their goalie scored a last minute equaliser and it went to penalties and they, they stayed down this season. They'll end up finishing 10th. Yeah. Um, eighth, ninth, 10th, somewhere like that. So they're not going to come up this year either, but yeah, they've, they've, they've hit rock bottom and they've kind of on the way up a little bit. Gary Johnson's manager there now, and he got them out of the conference South. They went as low as that. Yeah. Um, Did it feel like a bit of a
1: sliding doors moment, obviously now kind of looking back on it?
2: I think so because it, it just, it's a one-off game. You know, that things can, can, can go wrong, and we were lucky enough that the first playoff final we made a couple of years before against Cambridge in the national league, we we were on it. We played exceptionally well. You know, there was two great goals, really strong performance. Everything was exactly as it should have been. In this game, you know, we devolved. We were more of a footballing team, and um, and Stevenage were a physical, physical, physical team. And and we'd outplayed them every time we'd we'd come up against them. We'd just got the ball down and now, you know, we've just been better than them. And we were better than them, but on the day, they did what they needed to do. Believe it or not, Old Trafford, and this sounds so bitter and twisted, and I don't mean it to, and I'm not the cynical type, and I don't really go with excuses, but at the same time, we're at Old Trafford, the pitch was long and dry. So we're trying to play and it's getting caught up and they're sticking it over the top and it's slowing down and they just played the conditions better. We didn't, react, we didn't adapt to what was we were up against. We were expecting a, a, a bowling green and wet and slippy and perfect for us to pass the ball around and we didn't get that and we didn't adapt and they were just too good for us. They were just too strong, scored a goal, sat back, soaked everything up and we couldn't break them down and it's a shame because that that year had been a great, great year up to that point um, and uh, it just wasn't to be, like you say, you know, just fine margins and sliding door type stuff yeah
1: excellent so what we're going to do is we are going to uh, pause there and then when we come back for the second part we'll have Mars 60 seconds and the midfield and the strike force of Nico's best 11. Welcome back to the second part of my best 11 so far Kevin Pressman, Lee Mansell a right back Andy Hinchcliffe Angus McDonald and Guy Branston. Hand straight over to you, Marv, for Marv's 60 seconds.
0: Okay, Nico. Um, VAR or no VAR?
2: No VAR. Penalty
0: shootout or golden goal?
2: Penalty shootout.
0: Best stadium you played in? Best away ground? Wembley. Piled pie and chips, pasta or fish and chips?
2: Ugh. I'm trying to be an athlete here. Um I- I'll go I'll go. pie if you're going to force me. I'd take steak though. Uh,
0: Messi or Ronaldo? <sighs> I,
2: uh, if I don't say Ronaldo and my boy hears this, he'll batter me. But enjoy them both while you can. <laughs> Bundesliga, La Liga
0: or Syria for quality?
2: La Liga now. Okay. Setting out back in the days where James Richardson was having a coffee outside on Gazeta Football. <laughs> Team you supported as a kid never did
0: oh okay um wine beer or spirit
2: <laughs> kill him yeah i'm an athlete mate we're talking <laughs> water maybe sparkling water from time to time okay you're going crazy All
0: right. um what wor- oh, i think i know the answer to this even if he wasn't worst dressed teammate
2: Uh, No, I I can't kill Mance on that. He was terrible, but he'd come for me. Yeah, no, I'll I'll go with um, the one that jumps out straight away. Tim Sills used to wear Lonsdale trainers into work and they got wrapped in paper and burned and they survived it and he wore them the next day.
0: (laughs) Marvin, one more. Um, Okay, funniest teammate?
2: Funniest teammate? Um, Oh... I'll go with a, a tie between Martin Rice and Elliot Benyon, but they were funny in a way that would get them arrested. <laughs> I, you, I, let's put it this way: you don't you don't sleep on away games on the coach when those two are on with you.
1: Okay, fair enough. Um, you mentioned your penalties rather than extra time. What's your penalty record like? Any good?
2: Yeah, very good. Missed once. Um, unfortunately, it was the deciding penalty in the, I forget what it was, what's now the Papa John's trophy. So away at Southampton, Manton actually scored, I have to, to mention, at St. Mary's. Um, went to, I think we did extra time back in those days. And then Kelvin Davis saved with his legs. Generally, I smashed it down the middle and he, he stood up long enough. And then when he dived, he, he, his legs were trailing and he kicked it out. And uh, yeah, I'd. The following year, I scored the winner at Bournemouth from penalties, but that year, unfortunately, I was the, the villain. Uh, shame,
1: shame. Um, I just wanted to... We haven't kind of gone near Forest Green. I'm just wanting to get your your perspective, because they're, they're making a lot of waves at the moment in the media. Uh, obviously, you spent a lot of time there. Um, when you were at the club, what was it like as a player? Um, were they fully... I think how politically I can say this. Were they fully environmentalist? Or were they becoming that at that time?
2: No. So I, I had two, two stints with Forest Green. I had yeah. two games with them when I left Sheffield Wednesday in, in 2000. And that was at the old ground. Um, I had one game at the old ground well before Dale Vince and all that stuff came in. And, um, and I had one game away at Buxton in the trophy. And then um, we had the, – when I went back in 05 – it was the first year in the new stadium, but it was still pre Dale Vince. He, he wasn't there then, so it wasn't the green, um, vegan. It wasn't all of that stuff then. It was just a well-run, um, full of good people. New stadium was brilliant. Pitch was lovely, um, but it was a little club in Nailsworth. You know, we were lucky. We got, I think, we got about twelve hundred watching most most weeks. So it wasn't terribly supported, but it wasn't big. Um, it was just a good football club, full of good people, and some of them are still there now. And obviously, they've gone through this kind of ride of, of Dale Vince coming in, of the um, the going green and the vegan pies and all that kind of stuff. So they're 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 kind of reaping the rewards a little bit there. But um, I've got great memories of Forest Green. Really like the football club. Um, still know one or two people in and around it, but uh, well done to them for, for winning the league and going up and they'll be disappointed that the manager's just jumped ship and, and gone to Watford, but uh, yeah, as is football.
1: Yes, I saw something about that this morning. We're um, we going to move on to midfield, wherever you want to start, left, middle or right, depending on who you want to pick and how you're doing it.
2: Okay, so I will go in, in no particular order really kind of just midfield players who could probably play in any three of those spots so this lad was a young player picked up from nowhere um, when we were at Torquay he came over from Ireland Um, John Milton who I think was our head of recruitment at the time found him he'd been released by Everton before getting a, a professional deal he went back over to Ireland we found him somewhere and he came over and he was about eight stone wet through he was technically lovely, but never looked like in a million years he was going to be physically capable of playing first-team football. Uh, Paul Buckle saw potential, and we took him on. And he probably had best part of a season before he broke in. And when he broke in, he'd worked himself physically; he'd worked himself to the point where he was capable. He was head and shoulders above all of us in terms of his football intelligence. Um, he wasn't big and strong but he knew how to use his body and how to get fouls or how to get away from people if he needed he was good off both feet he scored goals he his best performance let play for, perform- as well. play for- Leeds. Leeds Leeds he went to Leeds yeah he went to Leeds he went to Luton he had a nasty leg break there I've not heard from him for probably 18 months so I'm not quite sure where he is at the moment um just an outstanding footballer played for Ireland. So got international recognition, um, scored the, the Torquay fans would remember him most for two goals that he scored against, uh, Plymouth in a Derby game where first one, he's kind of turned, took a touch and turned about 35, 40 yards out and half volleyed it over the goalkeeper. Uh, second one, he stepped in. It's another great finish edge of the box, bottom corner at pace. Um, Fondly thought of, great guy, great lad, um, and just a proper proper footballer.
0: Andrew, you guys around you? Yeah, I'll you and yeah. you and an O'Kane,
2: you and O'Kane, you and O'Kane. Yeah, he just he, when you see a young player, and this is you know similar to the role that I'm doing now. You're trying to spot potential. You're trying to spot, like I said earlier, you're trying to see the mind and hope that the body catches it up. And he was a perfect example of that. You know the credit to the guys that did see him because there's not many, I don't think that have bought him over like that. He, he certainly wasn't hot property. He wasn't one that we had to fight for. We, we got him in, he, he came in, he lived in the clubhouse. He got paid peanuts, but when he got himself into that first team, honestly, just, it's like when you watch the best players and they have more time than anybody else because they've seen it way before anybody else. And they're in position before anybody else. And he was just like, oh, he just used to glide past people, um, it, the game was easy to him in the lower levels, and that's why he could go up higher and, and continue to do well up there.
1: No, he's, yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree with you. Um, you mentioned before that you've been manager and player, obviously, in a couple of different stints at Torquay. Um, out of interest, as a player, obviously coming back as a kind of player manager as well, do you worry about the legacy? Obviously, you played first in over three, four, 300 and odd games. When you come back, can you take on the managerial role? Do you think this might not work and I could ruin what I'm known for and the love that the fans have for me?
2: No, I don't think so. Because the club, when I went in, it was on its knees. They had no money. They had no infrastructure. They were owned by a group of fans who were genuinely good people, really genuinely good people who were just in over their heads. They they had... um, they were wealthy by normal people's standards, but they weren't football wealthy. They couldn't like just drop a hundred grand here and a hundred grand there. It was too much for them. It wasn't fair or right. And several of the original guys that took over left, which left an even smaller group of, of people doing the job. And it was just exceptionally harsh. And I got, I only got the job because I was local and cheap. Um, you know, like it, it wasn't uh, a, an extensive uh, let's go and see who wants to come and be Torquay manager. What well, you didn't have Gary Johnson knocking at the door then, uh, an experienced football league manager who's kind of been through it and done it before. It was a, an opportunity for me. I was I was playing at Bath um, part time, really enjoying it, but it wasn't sustainable over a long period. It was just part time, so I was starting to think about what was coming next. And I'd known that I wanted to go into management for ten years. Once I realised I wasn't going to be the Premier League player I was hoping for, my my attention shifted where I could. I knew I could carry on playing. And this was at League Two at that level. So I was 28, 29. I knew I could play League Two for another five or six, seven years. I knew I could play professional football for another probably decade. So I was going to enjoy it while I could because once it's gone, it's gone. But at the same time, I had an eye on how I could become a good coach and a good manager because I knew that was going to be my future. And so when I went in, I didn't really think about it like that. I thought about it as an opportunity to try and come in and really help a club that was struggling, that was close to my heart. Um, It it probably hit me how hard it was going to be after a couple of months when I started hearing one or two boos and and one or two, you don't know what you're doing type of things where I'd been working exceptionally hard. I'd been doing what I genuinely believed were the right things, but we got beat at Chester on uh, around the Christmas period. And, I'd been coaching and coaching and coaching and uh, uh, myself and Robbie Herrera who was assisting me and we'd been working on defensive structure we'd be working on transition you know all the kind of stuff that you would have, if you, you think you're a good coach these are the things that are going through your head and we conceded after 13 seconds away at Chester and we got beat 4-1 and I, I was I was playing and I was because I was playing manager when I went back and I was playing and I looked around and I thought what the hell is happening we're not doing anything that we've been working on like religiously for the last three months, it's just a group of guys out here looking like rabbits in headlights. And um, we, we got in after that game and I was getting battered by the fans and it looked like I would have been sacked after that game if they'd have had the money to sack me, but they couldn't afford to pay me up. So they had to stick with me. And to be fair, the the chairman, a guy called Dave Phillips, was brilliant. He, he was uh, a fan of mine when I played. He bought me in as manager and he had my back. He couldn't give me any money. He couldn't give me any footballing um, advice because he'd not been in that world, but he had my back and I knew it. And um, the following week, we played five a side all week. We made the the, the decision that we're going to just play five a side all week, take the pressure off them. On the Friday, it was Boxing Day, we had Forest Green at home because you play local teams um, at that level around the Christmas period. We had Forest Green at home who were top. Um, We were bottom and we changed the formation an hour before kickoff. Told them, in the change room which is everything that I'm against you know I don't like that at all I used to hate it as a player I don't like it as a coach or a manager changed to that diamond that I talked about earlier went out won 4-3 battered them went 3 and a lot. somehow managed to concede 3 to come back to 3-3 three, three, and then scored to go 4-3 And and from then on give or take a couple of blips but when we got to the end of February we were magnificent so I was never concerned about that because I knew that it wasn't going to change me. I was never going to let football turn me cynical or bitter and twisted. I was never going to turn on the fan base myself. And I knew that if I was genuine and authentic and and just a good person, that it's not going to change what they thought of me as a player, even if some of them may, may think I was clueless as a manager. Um, and, you know, I, I fought through two 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 and a half real tough years there where, we stayed up twice. We had two great escapes, which wasn't how I envisaged it. I didn't want to be fighting at the wrong end, but I just thought if we could get through the tough times, I'd get the benefit of the good times. And unfortunately, football's not that romantic. I, I got through the tough times and then somebody else got the, uh, the benefit of a, a, a bit more budget and a bit more support. But that's one of those things. It happens in football and you, you take your lessons and move on.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. That's really interesting to hear perspectives um, from, that, from that angle as a fan. We can keep going across midfield. You O'Kane, Who's next to Younan?
2: Yeah, so um, again, I'm going to go with a bit of nostalgia here. Um, he, he was captain at Torquay, uh, looked a bit like Tarzan, uh, does a bit of work with BT Sports now, um, just an out-and-out leader. He, he got bought in at Torquay when I signed in, in 07. He was one of the new group that came in. So just to go back, just to touch on Mance, cause I know he'd like it. Mance had got the team relegated out of the football league. Um, the, 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 Single-handedly? Four. Pretty much, pretty much. I, I can't <laughs> verify that, but I believe it was mainly his fault. Um, and, and he somehow had a year left. So there was about four players left when Paul Buckle came in and he was one of them. And, uh, And so Paul Buckle kind of rebuilt. And one of the guys that he bought in was coming to the end of his career. I mean, he was 36, 37 when he signed him, which is brave for a manager to do because you don't give 36-year-old, two-year contracts and move them down the country. It's it's just not a done thing. But Paul Buckle spotted that leadership potential and the fact that this guy was another machine, um, physically unbelievable, ripped which he, he knew and he made sure everybody else knew. The first time he met my missus, he was sat topless on a sofa doing the peck dance while eating strawberries, which probably should have intimidated me, but I you know, I, I just humoured it. Um, did, he, did he also he, play for Northampton? He did. He played for yeah. Northampton, he played for Grimsby, he played for Plymouth. Um, I think he, had a, he, he played for Bristol Rovers very briefly. Um but yeah, he had a, a very, very good career, played for a very long time. And in the period that I was at Torquay, in those first four years where we had real success, he, he was a big part of the first the first two or three years. You know, he, he fell foul to another kind of revamp when we got back into League Two, where Paul Buckle quite ruthlessly got rid of the old guard. And there's actually there's only myself and Mance survived it. Um, and he bought he wanted to evolve and you understood that. It felt crap at the time, but it understood. And uh and yeah, unfortunately this player missed out and moved on, but he went to Oxford from there and got promoted again and then retired. Um retired there, and then he's gone into coaching and, and management and uh, and a bit of TV work as well.
0: Andrew Wayne Collar?
2: Oh no.
0: Oh I wasn't thinking him. I'm, I mean, maybe my I'm i
2: Chris Hargreaves? Chris Hargreaves, yeah. Scored in the playoff final, right foot. Absolute world of a finish for somebody that wasn't very good with his right foot. Um, but yeah, just a, just an out-and-out out leader on the pitch. Um, the kind of guy where things aren't quite going right. He was good enough to sense that they weren't going right. and He'd go and wipe somebody out and take a yellow card. And he'd do something that would trigger... Everybody else to up their game. It's you know he'd start a fight or he'd, he'd go and like I say in front of the it'd always be in front of the fans. He'd wipe someone out, get a yellow card, kick off, throw his arms up. Everyone would go mad, but it would lift you. It would lift the group. It would lift the ground. Um, I genuinely think he knew what he was doing. You know, like I think some people do that because they're just nuts. He, I think, was clever enough and good enough to to pick what he when to do it. Pick the moment, and I think football is made up. Any game of football for me is made up of a series of, um, of triggers where something happens and it shifts the momentum. And and if you're good enough to be able to spot it and know what to do that doesn't get you sent off, then it's a big big plus. And I thought he was he was very good at that.
1: No, definitely, definitely. I do remember Chris. He was he wasn't on my list, but I know exactly who you mean. Um, move across the other side to the last position in midfield.
2: Yeah, so this guy probably be, um, it's hard in midfield because he plays with some really, really good Mm. midfield players. Um, And and again, I'm steering clear of the the Sheffield Wednesday stuff because it it just feels like I'm cheap. If it was just about the players that played at the highest level, then it would have been all Sheffield Wednesday players and, and it can't be. But this guy played in the Premier League, was short and fat and was at the... He actually was at uh, Tottenham when Gazza was there, so he was uh, kind of indoctrinated into that lifestyle. So he loved to drink and he loved to drag people out with him to do that. Um, He scored quite a famous goal, if it was his debut, but not far off for Tottenham against Liverpool, uh, header. At that point, he had long, flowing hair, but it had gone by the time he got to Knox. He was, it seems harsh to say it, but he was a waste of talent in some ways because if his professionalism had have matched his talent, he would have spent his whole career in the Premier League. He played centre midfield, unbelievable off both feet, did not give oh the ball away. Oh my
0: gosh, I can he see.
2: Was it? it? It begins with um, C. It does. It does. His boy Andrew, come on! His boy is playing for Charlton right now. Um, I think he's just had a, he's got a double um, barrelled double name, these, these as
0: Darren Darren Dan Kasky.
2: Darren Kasky, yes. So Kask was, Kask was magnificent. Uh, he, he he was short and dumpy, but he could cover ground. He wasn't quick, but he never, ever gave the ball away because of his lack of pace. Um, he could score goals, his set play delivery was magnificent. He would just dominate a game from the centre circle. Because he couldn't run, couldn't get about a great deal more. But he was just—I looked at him. I used to look at him and just think, God, if you'd, if, if you'd have got diet and nutrition and S and C right, and you'd have you kind of really pride yourself on that kind of stuff rather than how good you were on a night out, you probably could have been a 500-game Premier League player. Um, but it wasn't to be. And you know, I, 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 I've not spoken to Cass for years. But whenever I've seen him, he's always been great. He, he used to batter me I, like because I was the opposite. I was like blue-eyed boy. I just wanted to do everything right, ultra professional, never never out on nights out, didn't drink. Um, it was all about the football for me. And I, he used to cane me for it because I was kind of a bit sad and a bit busy in his eyes. But at the same time, we used to play snooker after training a couple of times a week. We used to play golf in the summer together together. Um, I was always really fond of him, and I think it was mutual. You know, he, he as much as he gave me a load of stick. I think the day he stopped giving me stick would have been where I worried most. Um, but he was just a magnificent player. He's he's gone on. He did a bit of coaching with. He, he used to be Gary Mills' assistant when Gary Mills was at uh, Gateshead and then York and and one or two places. And I think he's just moved up north. He, he's, his his misses is into um, horses and so I think he's up north looking after a load of horses racehorses and, uh, and and living his life excellent.
1: lovely excellent excellent so we're going to move on to up front forwards
2: yeah so the, these forwards probably don't fit in a three up front but I had to kind of cram them in for uh, yeah for, for reasons so we'd say probably quite a narrow three well one wide one narrow uh, two narrow so uh, one lad he's another one who so I'm going for the winger now the, the wide of the three um, he is somebody who um, signed for Torquay from Crawley. He spent 18 months of his two year contract doing absolutely nothing other than stupid step overs and wearing pink boots and not really getting anywhere. He uh, was completely frozen out and told he could go. And when he finally got a chance, because there were just no players left to play and we were looking like we might get relegated out of League Two on our return. He, um, he came back in and he played with a freedom and uh, I don't know, just a it's like something had happened, a penny had dropped, something had gone off that had meant that he was playing. He knew when to pass it, when to run with it and when he did need to do his tricks uh, to get his um, joy. His step over when it was done right was unplayable. You knew what he was going to do. You knew he wasn't going to go with it, but you had to cover it and by the time you'd reacted from it, he was past you um left winger left footed he so having been frozen out by paul buckle when he came back and did so well he was offered a new contract he turned it down because he said he was homesick and then moved to lincoln and he's from he's from london so he was either really really not very good at geography or maybe just saying it because he didn't want the wrath of paul buckle um he lasted a year at Lincoln. They they had That was when Chris Sutton was manager, and they had a bad year financially, and ended up dropping out themselves. He got another move to Bristol Rovers, where he did really well. And from Bristol Rovers, he ended up at Middlesbrough Forest. I think he's currently at Gillingham. He had a year over in Cyprus. Um, again, another one who, if he'd had, um, if he'd have had a, a a bit more of a consistent run, could probably have been playing top champ. For most of his career, how, um, I'm
0: going to have. I'm, I'm going to guess.
2: How long
1: was he at the champ? How long was he at, um, you said Middlesbrough and who else? He
2: had, a, he had a year, I think a year or two at Middlesbrough and a year or two at Forest. How long ago was that? Oh, not long, not long ago. He, um, he's, I say, he's, he's come back. I'm sure it was Cyprus he went. He went to Where Cyprus. Did he start?
0: Where did he start again?
2: I'm talking? Crawl, Crawley. Oh, no. <laughs>
0: Right, Is I'm it, gonna
1: go. Dave, David no. McGoldrick.
2: No, no, good shout. He was, he was,
1: um, he was, he was around a champ, top in a championship, wasn't he? For or was he? Cardiff.
2: No, he was. Uh, <laughs> are you talking about uh, McGoldrick, who's Sheffield United? It's McGoldrick. That's
0: who I think he's talking
2: about. It, yeah. And mm-hmm. so I played with him. At, I played with him at Knotts County. Yeah. And to be fair, he was a young kid coming through at Knotts County yeah. who I would never, in a million years, have said would have gone on and had such a good career. All right. Um but yeah, he. Um, oh, one sec, sorry, I'm in a call. Find that one. Yeah, he he, um, he went on and did really, really well. Obviously, played for Republic of Ireland. And and again, if I'm basing it on people that went on and did really well when I wasn't around them, he would have probably been a good shout. But no, this is a more of an out and out winger.
0: Yeah, but he, but he, said he started stayed at
2: Crawley. Left oh, footer.
1: I've only got one other out and out winger on here that I know is an out and out winger now. But he didn't. No, but you play with him. He was an extra boy, the Moxie.
2: Who was? Yeah, Moxie. I did. I could have claimed that one. I played for England C when I was in the national league. Oh, I did the research for on England C. Yeah. Yeah. So I could have. I could have claimed that one. But again, I, I'm trying to be true to what I felt like I really played with, as opposed to there's there's another there was another lad who was a similar ilk that actually. As I was saying it, I thought about him and I hadn't really put him in as, as part of this but he's almost the, the exact same type of player in CV so there's a lad at Kidderminster called Marvin Johnson and Mar-, yeah. Mar is at Sheffield Wednesday now and he went to Middlesbrough as well so he he went from Kidderminster to Oxford to Middlesbrough to Sheffield Wednesday and he was exactly what I've just described, just a winger that kept I, well, scoring. And he was goals. at Forest as well, was he not at Forest as well? I don't know Forrest if he went to Forest the guy I'm thinking of you're never getting it. The guy I'm thinking hold on, of. Hold on, hold on, hold
0: on, hold on, hold on,
2: hold on. Was he was he Scottish? No, oh. definitely not. I
0: was just no. I don't. Okay, go on then. I'm not gonna. I don't. I'm not gonna embarrass myself and say it.
2: Mustafa Carriol.
0: I, I know. So, I know the name. I know. Yeah, I know name.
2: So Muzzy. Um, yeah, books froze him out almost the minute he got him in. <laughs> he 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 got him in and he was. Um, he was a bit of a show pony. It was, you know, flicks and tricks at all the wrong times. And then um, I remember him coming, starting a game and he, he turned up in pink boots and he played and he was horrible and he got dragged at half-time and he, he never saw the pitch again until we got down to the last few games of the season and, and I think Bucks was under major pressure. looked like he might get sacked. We were right near the bottom. Things weren't going well. And, and Muzzy came off the bench and scored an equaliser we away at Cheltenham. And then from that there on, he played and he was just unplayable. He was absolutely magnificent for, for the rest of that season and off he went and, and obviously did some great things. So that, that's one I say. I could have easily had Marv Johnson, who was just as good, but that was in the National League that he was doing it. So I just gave uh, Muzzy that one just ahead of him.
1: Excellent. So the other, other two forwards?
2: Yeah, so again, one that I've got to put in, otherwise I'd get battered Um, so if you don't get this you've you've definitely not done your research Uh, scored the winning goal to get promoted at Wembley for Torquay while wearing a Zorro mask absolutely milked the arse out of that somehow managed to get a a set of mugs in Torquay's club shop with that one Um, he was there for the first two years he'd had mixed success he'd done really well at Oldershot he'd gone to Oxford and had not had a look in we, uh, Paul Buckle had signed him in that kind of revamp period post the Mansell decline. Um, and he'd come in and he was just... When you strike up a relationship with a, a striker, when you're... you know My strength was delivery into the box, whether it was from open play or set plays, I had a long throw. When you've then got somebody who's six foot two, got an absolute leap, wins everything in the air and thrives off crosses, it was a good mix. And we just had almost a a sixth sense you know I I can remember goals now where you know we'll have a free kick and I've just caught eye contact and and clipped one in quickly and he's moved quickly and headed it and you just think we get each other and this really works and he scored 20 goals both these seasons pretty much with Torquay um, in the first two years that I was there he was part of that promotion squad he was also similar to Chris Argreaves he was um, got rid of unceremoniously when we got back into League 2 he could never quite take the step up into League 2 he had a, one go with Oxford it didn't work out one go with us it didn't work out but he was a top top National League player um, he left us he managed to get another Wembley appearance in the trophy final for who won it now a non-league team I've gone blank on um, but yeah just uh, probably the striker that I had the best relationship with and you know I got an absolute bucket full of assists, and he got a bucket full of goals because of that relationship.
0: Did he also play for? Did he say
2: Oxford? He said, "Yeah." I, don't know, I mean, I'm, sure, I'm, He'd be he'd be seen as a bit of a legend at Aldershot. He'd uh, he'd be seen as a waste of time at Oxford. Um He's currently managing a team towards the pool somewhere down there. Um But yeah, he he would be. There's two people in in if any Torquay fan ever talks to me, there are two people that they'd always associate me with. First and foremost, Mance because it was always bromance and all that kind of stuff. And then um, the, the next in line would be, would be this guy. I we would, I've
0: been I've been brutally honest. I've not had time. I said to, to, to do the yeah. research. So I'm, not, I'm so I'm gonna throw a guess guessing um, plumber.
2: Is no, you, Tristan, it, Tristan Plummer. No, no, Tristan. He had a he had a brief spell with Torquay. What well, was a bit hit and miss. Um, Isaac Christie. No, no. I. What does anyone say? No. I stopped reading. I stopped reading um, when I was a younger player. I used to, you know, before kind of everything became so easy on social media. They used to have like fans forums where right. people would dis- discuss like how you are getting on and oh, players and so on. And, and I and I got tipped off onto one because there's somebody said something nice and I and I read it and I thought, oh, that's quite nice because we were doing well. <laughs> and then and then a little bit late, a little bit later down the line, I came I came second in a who's the biggest pie eater contest. And it was Billy <laughs> Key came first. And I came ahead of Eisden Christie. And Eisden was big. And I and that I, I thought I can't deal with that. I, mentally <laughs> I, I can't cope. So I, I, I never read one again. Um <laughs> So I, I think I don't think yellow was very flattering. Is all I can put it down to because there's no way I was I was finishing above Iceland. But uh right. yeah, I'm
1: going to chuck it out there, Matty Taylor. Sorry,
2: no. no, never played with Matt.
1: Good- oh, so well, it's not Matty Taylor then. The only other two I have in my head is Scott Rendell.
2: No, very good player. Very little good player. Little, yeah, clever player. Ren, I think, did go to Oxford and yeah, that's um,
1: what, and he played at Aldershot shot as well.
2: He did, yeah, I know he did. So yeah, good shout. Good shout. We give Dennis go on, then you're gonna have to
0: tell us. You're gonna have to tell us. Go on.
2: Tim Sills. Tim Sills. Mm. So if you any Torquay fan would rave about him, yeah, you you'd get shot down by any Torquay fan listening to this now that you wouldn't know Sillsy. Uh he he did his he did his cheek. Um, in the run-in to the playoffs and rather than miss out, they got him one of those kind of uh, Zorro-looking Phantom of the Opera-type masks. Um, And obviously, it just tied in brilliantly because he scored. Um, It was actually Carlisle. Wayne Carlisle should probably be in this team, but I can say now that he's not. Um Wayno, Wayno was magnificent, like a proper, proper player. But he put a cross in for Silzy at Wembley and there was a bit of a you know, like the England sorry 1966, they think it's all over comment. So right. the, the commentator says, Carlisle looking for Benyon, Sills, and Sills comes in late and he puts this ball in where he zings it head high, picks somebody out. It wasn't like a cross into an area. He picks him out with this ball. Absolutely magnificent. And Sills, he comes in with his mask on, like classic him, jumps, heads it top corner and runs off. And there's a, a great picture at Torquay of him celebrating in front of all the Torquay fans at Wembley. Where he's kind of running off with his mask and all that. And yeah, they we had a bit of a charity reunion um over lockdown, like a Zoom reunion about the lads that got promoted and and Silzy was on there and they'd actually made mugs um about yeah, Zorro and all that kind of stuff. And when I batted him about it, he said apparently Nicholson takes a corner doesn't make for a good uh, a good selling um and stick it on a stick it on a poster or a mug. Apparently no one's gonna buy that. So yeah, he, he wins. <laughs>
1: Uh, <laughs> right. excellent so last one last one in your 11
2: yeah like again really tough one so there were players like Rene Howe who did really well scoring goals when I was at Torquay um you know you've mentioned Rendell really good um I had some some decent strikers throughout my career really that I played with but um it came down to one of two and they were both at Notts County. So both Notts County players. The one I'm going to go with is the one that I speak to more often. So again, I'm I'm bottling it a bit um, so so that I don't get a goose. I I play golf with him from time to time. Um, He was a technician. He was another one similar to Kaski. Wasn't wasn't endowed with uh, physicality or athleticism, but was way ahead of everybody with his football brain scored a shed load of goals and every type of goal. He was capable of, you you know, your classic striker tappings, but he's also the kind of guy. He had a a run where he just became really, really good at chipping goalkeepers from the edge of the box. So he just kept receiving it with his back to goal, dropping a shoulder and dinking the keeper. Um, He does the radio up there now. He, he, He played for Derby. He started at Derby. He played for Wickham. He was a bit of a journeyman, went around a few, um, he, he really kind of found a found a home, I would say, at Notts County. Um, and and as much as football is, you you work with loads of great people and you become friendly with lots of people. You don't stay in touch with that many. It's quite sad, really. You, you know, like you move on and that's it. You're on to the next group. And it's very rare that you stay in touch with somebody over a long period of time. But he's one of the guys that I have to. Um, not very good at snooker or golf. I beat him pretty much every time we play, but he tries. Just in case he listens to this, that'll that'll annoy him. Um, he left Notts County. He got a move to Barnsley. Did all right at Barnsley. Looked like he was coming to the end of his career, and then had a little kind of Indian summer where he went to Lincoln and he was playing up front with Jamie Forrester, who's another lad that I used to play with. Sure, at that's what I was about to say. Yeah, so Jamie Forrester I played with briefly at Northampton. Um, but yeah, had a, he struck up a partnership with him? Now that would have been the most immobile front two that you've ever come across at that stage because they were both about 36, 37. Um, but they scored loads of goals and Lincoln got to the playoffs, if not promoted, from League Two. Um, so yeah, oh, Was that the really... time when the
1: brothers were there? What, what were the brothers called? Was that that time? What were the two brothers that one ended up taking control of Huddersfield? Ooh. Recently. It wasn't that long ago. Were the two sure. brothers? There were two brothers that were managers.
2: Oh, the Cowleys.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah,
2: no, it was it was before then. It was before the Carlies. Carlies came through. I used to manage against those guys. They're good. They're good guys. To be fair, so they were at Braintree, and then they got Lincoln, and then they went to Huddersfield, and now Portsmouth. Yeah. Um, the guy that we're talking now, two thousand five, two thousand six. So he would have left Notts County in about oh four. Had a year or two at Barnsley and then a year or two at uh, Lincoln before he he packed up. I think he, he had one more crack at Shrewsbury briefly, but that didn't quite work out. So,
0: um, no, I'm out. I'm, I'm I'm I don't know.
2: I can't even guess. The, so the one, the one I, I was going to go with was an Australian lad, uh, Danny Allsop. He was the opposite of what I've just said. He he was powerhouse, like absolute monster physically. Got moved to Hull when Hull went from like League Two to League One to the Champ and he was a big part of going through all that, but he just misses out to Mark Stallard. Oh. You, you would have a 100% played against Stal. Yes, I
0: have. I have. As soon as, you said it, it's, it's stock. as soon as you said it, Mark Stallard, definitely, 100%, yeah, I have.
2: So, Stal, yeah, he was a proper footballer, proper player. Um, and, yeah, he he wasn't easy on the eye. He wasn't pretty. He hated preseason. He was yeah, he was the opposite to Mount. He was he was good with the ball, but couldn't run. Um, so he was um, very very good. Scored so many goals and so many different types of goals. And just you know, again, the modern game it, it cries out for athleticism now. Whereas he he wouldn't have that. But I still think he'd be able to play now because he was so clever, so sharp in his mind.
1: Excellent. Excellent. So, we've got our 11. Final question.
0: Marvin, over to you. Okay. Um, so, which manager is going to lead this? Lead? It could be you, for all we know.
2: Um, oh, definitely. But be- I can't do me now, can I? After, uh, you've, yeah, you've made it sound like I'd be a wrong one for doing <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> we've swayed you out of
2: left-back and we've swayed
1: you out of manager. Yeah, you've
2: dropped me. You've dropped me twice from my own team there. So. <laughs> uh,
0: Who would you say is some good managers over the time, over the years. who's, yeah. who's I mean, who have you, who have yeah. you maybe influenced you a little bit? Um, you've taken ideas from certain managers.
2: Yeah. So I, no, I have been really fortunate. I've been, for, I've been fortunate both ways. I've had some really bad managers, and and you learn a lot from the bad ones, mm. especially when you want to go into it. So, I think you know, I, it'd be easy to kind of try and name drop. Um. So again, going back to the Sheffield Wednesday days, we had Ron Atkinson. So obviously, top, top manager. Um, But at the time, it, it wasn't that much to me. You know, he gave me my opportunity. He, he was the one that put me in the reserves at Sheffield Wednesday, which back then was a big thing. Youth team to reserves was a big step. And, and I was really grateful and he was good to me. But I didn't see that much of him. And the bits that I did see, it's again, the evolving nature of the game. He was pretty basic. It was... Up, back and through, full-back to big Andy Booth up front, Andy Booth down into midfield, get it out to the wingers and go and get the ball in the box. It's, it's changed a lot from that now. Um, you know, we had Danny Wilson. Danny Wilson was excellent, um, but struggled with your Di and your Carbonis because Danny was a working man, you know, yeah. Yorkshire guy, hard work, and all of a sudden he's got somebody bringing his hairdresser in. I can imagine what was going through his head at that point. Um, you know, I, Paul Jewell was an absolute nightmare. He hated me, treated me awfully, but it taught me some good lessons. Um, and then I had someone like Billy in at Notts County who was, you know, he'd done really well over a, um, a period of time. And, um, but he was like your granddad. You'd do anything for him. He was just lovely, just a top, top guy. But I think the the ones that the top three I would probably give you in terms of guys that, um, I took the most from I think when I was at Forest Green, the, the full year that I had there, we had a guy called Jim Harvey, who was at Morecambe, and Jim was the best I ever saw at taking limited players. Because with all due respect to all of us, we're playing in the national league, so we can't play. You know, we're. <laughs> I like to say, in the grand scheme of things, we're elite because so few players become professional, but at the same time, we're in the national league, so we're not quite messy. Um, and he was excellent at putting players into a system and giving you limited options that brought everybody together to play in his style, which was play, play, play. So he taught me a lot about the finer detail of coaching, um, particularly with players where you, you, young developing players give them some real clear structure, and then as they get confident at it, they'll start to bring their personality into it. And he was brilliant at that. Um, The best man manager I ever played for was Martin Ling. So, um, he came in at Torquay. So, the best manager, the guy that I would give this title to, the best guy, the guy that influenced me most and still does when I, when I talk to him, uh, a guy called Paul Buckle, who took me to Torquay. Yep. He, he was, again, it's incredible football because if you speak to Bristol Rovers fans and if you speak to Cheltenham fans and if he, even Luton fans would probably talk ill of him, he did not do well at those places. But at Torquay, he was a fresh, hungry manager that came from Exeter's under-18s and he was doing a bit of their coaching for the first team. He came in, he rebuilt, he was detailed, he was driven, he was energetic. When he walked in the room, he lit the room up and you knew he was there and you were ready to work. He was structured, he was clear, you played. I think he got the best group of players that I've ever known together in terms of he went and did his homework on us as characters. And when he put us together, he kind of let us organically figure out how we we're going to play. Because I don't think he particularly meant for us to be relatively direct. Because a lot of it was up to Seals, down into midfield, balls out wide, wingers that could get at people. Uh, heavy reliance on set plays, long throws, which is great for me because that was me. Um, and, but he, you would run through a wall for the guy when you're in his starting eleven his his weaker areas was it, he was brutal so if you weren't in his starting 11 you you didn't like him much and if you weren't in the squad you hated his guts because he didn't really give you too much of a, a a soft landing when you weren't in his team but he had a way that when you got back in his team you were right back wanting to do it for him you want to show him like showing him he was wrong and all that kind of stuff right. But he was he was so good with that um so he for me had the whole package um you know may have He's over in America now as a consultant, doing really well. So he's built a brand and he does well with it. And he's got a great lifestyle going on. And I still speak to him and pick his brains from time to time. And I've got nothing but respect and and admiration and and gratitude for what he did for me. I had my best times at Torquay as a player. There's no doubt in that. But when he left, Martin Ling came in. And I had probably my best individual seasons with Martin Ling. Although we didn't get promotion, I got in the League Two team of the year in 2012 and Martin Ling came in and Bucks had drilled us so we knew where to be when to be there wherever the ball was this is where you should be we were just military you know it was absolutely on point all the time we just knew without thinking because he'd done it for four years and then Martin Ling came in and he, he was the best man manager I've ever come across he was the opposite so if you're in his starting 11 you loved him if you're on the bench you still loved him and if you got left out you still thought he was great he was just a top, top guy. Now his training were, was basically warm up, passing drill, five-a-side every single day. So we got to Christmas and we didn't do well when he first came in. And we got together, myself, Mance, a couple of the experienced players, and, and went and knocked on his door and said, look, we just think we need to do a bit more work. Like we're not we're not training enough. We're not working on stuff. We're, we're just playing five-a-side. And he was like, yeah, no problem. We'll do a bit of that. So we did a bit of that and we picked up and we ended up getting to the we should have gone up automatically. We made the playoffs and got beat at Cheltenham. But he was just outstanding at getting the best from you. But I think he got the best of what we were because of the poor buckle stuff before him. Right. He didn't need to, we didn't need to train as much as what we thought we did, because we knew it and, and we knew it subconsciously. We didn't have to think about it. We just got there and he just made you feel great. So it was a quite a nice mix. So I loved, I love my time with him. But I think those three would be at the top of the tree for me for those different different reasons
1: excellent fantastic fantastic um, so uh, I want to say on behalf of myself and Marvin thank you so much for your time Nico it was so great yeah. to speak to you um, and that was Kevin Nicholson's Nico's My Best Eleven thank you so much for your time